the Bible to John chapter 15, and uh, I'd love for you all to, to follow along with us this morning. And <clears throat> I've said we were going to get back to Acts, and I've decided to spend one, one more week not getting back to Acts, so hopefully we'll go there next week. But my boys, they just finished uh, basketball season for the first time for them, and uh, I, I've never been a huge fan of basketball. I've followed a little bit, but uh, one of the things that you'll see in a basketball game, one of the things that strategies the coach uses is timeout, right? So if you watch any games, it's like one team will be swinging the, you know, one way and they're getting all the points, just point after point after point, and then the other team will call timeout. Timeout, we got to stop. We got to stop the bleeding. We got to figure out this. We got to fix it. We got to get the team rallied around. So I'm kind of thinking of this as kind of like a timeout. I'm calling timeout, and I want us to check something I think that, that's, that's pretty significant. Um, and, and, the, and I'm not saying that I'm seeing this as a problem in anybody's life. I, I, I'm, I'm saying it's a problem in my life, and if the problem in my life is probably a problem in other people's life. So kind of the way that I'm looking at it. And, and you know, because we've been on this church planning journey uh, for three years or so now, and, you know, there's a lot of risk in that. There's a, you know, we're stepping out in faith, and we sacrifice a lot, and huge changes in our lives, um, all with a good intention, right? We want to see disciples made. We want to see God glorified. We want to see a new disciple-making factory going in Ashburn and more and more people come to Jesus. And if you're the kind of person that would jump on and be a part of a church plant, then you're probably wired in a similar kind of way. You know, you're willing to take some risks. You're willing to do some things. And you want to see things get accomplished uh, for his kingdom. Um, so I, I think there's probably a lot of similarities in, in, in who we are. And I so appreciate that with you, with you all. But one of the things that God taught me in the retreat that, that Christy and I took, just taking that break to be able to settle in, rest, um, was the, just, just the simple idea that we shouldn't confuse activity for God as the same thing as being with God. You know, working and doing good things, as good as they are, that's not, that's not bad. That's not the same as just spending quality time with him. And um, I, I think I'm far from burnout, but what was exposed to me was that I was on the path of burnout. Like, in other words, uh, working hard and doing things for Jesus and leaning into what he wants and trying to build his kingdom and build a church without, with, you know, while neglecting, things are so, like, the fundamental, the, the power source um, I don't want to run and do this on fumes, and I don't want to do this in my power. It, it has to be what God does and what he accomplishes. Um, there's so many different quotes you can find on the importance of prayer and the importance of being with Jesus, spending time with him. You know, I think one of the quotes Martin Luther said, he was like he said, I'm going to butcher it, but essentially, I am so busy that I have to spend a significant portion of my day praying. It's like... Because my to-do list and my schedule is so full, I have to spend a lot of time in prayer. Um, and it's that kind of perspective because um, we can't do this in our power. Um, and I think it's really important to realize that healthy is not activity. Healthy is not work. Um, healthy is also not success, necessarily, or accomplishment, uh, if you're going to take notes, I got just two points. First one, we're going to jump to John 15, is healthy is abiding-based, not success-based. And John 15, 1 through 11, 
it says this so well. So if you've got your Bible, open up there to John 15, 1 through 11. Extremely fundamental, important ideas here. Jesus says in verse 1, and he's talking to his disciples. It's like his last long message to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And, and this is just one part of it. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And so he's given them this picture. You know, we, I don't know if anybody's been, uh, has done any, anybody grow wine? I don't know if anybody does that. or <laughs> I know Zippo about it. Uh, I just know there's a vine, and they, 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 there's a lot of work and care. to You don't just plant a vineyard and it just goes. Uh, there's a vine dresser who does work to cultivate and trim and, you know, do what he needs to do to help the vine do its job, which is producing fruit. So J- Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. Guys, think of me as the vine. Jesus is the vine. And God the Father is the vine dresser. He's the guy that is like the gardener. He's the one that's, that's working on it. He says, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away, meaning the vine dresser, God. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. So God's working on our life if you're abiding with him or in him to cause you to bear more fruit. Like, good job, you got some. I'm going to do a little trimming. I'm going to maybe scar you a little bit. Might hurt you, sting you a little here or there. I'm going to cut that off. You're not going to like that. But trust me, more fruit's coming. Branches that don't bear fruit. What's the use to the vineyard? None. Cut it off, throw it away. Don't need that. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Super important idea right there. He's telling them, guys, you're holy because of what I've done. You've believed what I've, the message I've given you. You're holy. And remember he gave them the, the picture earlier about the washing their feet? You know, and he was making it clear to them that, you still need some foot washing every now and then because you're out in the world and out and about and things need to be cleaned off. Your whole body does not need to be clean because I've already cleaned you. You are mine. So he's not talking about uh, a question of Christianity or faith or not. This is all Christians he's talking about in this passage. You're already clean. Verse 4, abide in me and I in in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So there's this idea of branches being grafted in to the vine. And there's a a, a process where they can connect a living branch to a living vine. And they, they form together and all the nutrients start flowing through the vine into the branch. And the branch starts bearing fruit. That's the idea. So where do, the, where do we get grafted in? It's into Jesus. Where do the nutrients come from? From Jesus. Where does all the power and the resources and every possible thing necessary for bearing fruit comes from Jesus, as we say now. Uh, Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do a few things. I mean, no, it says nothing. It says nothing. Nothing. That's an absolute term. There's no exception here. There's not, there's not an, ex, ex, you know, an out. There's not a, well, except for. Now, we accomplish a lot of things in this world. 
You know, there, there are people that accomplish a lot of impressive things in this world. But in this, what he's talking about here, in terms of the fruit that God wants, they're not doing what, what, it, what he wants. It's not the real valuable thing. I mean, I mean just we, we, we need to really stop, take that time out, and really get our head around the idea that thank you very much for jumping out on a limb and being a part of a church plant. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not about the work we do. It's about the abiding we do. That's the point of this passage. Abide. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. And again, I, I don't believe he's talking about a loss of salvation. These are all Christians. I think the point here is that God is doing a work of growing a vineyard to bear fruit. That's the mission of God in this world. And, and, and Christians are a part of that or just useless. It's like you're nothing. You know, it's like, what are you? You're useless. You're a useless branch that just is in the way, so we're just going to throw you on the you know, burn pile to get you out of the way. Because God's got a mission of bearing fruit for his kingdom, for his glory. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, so his truth, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow, what an incredible promise. Like when I'm in that abiding relationship and his words are abiding in my life, I can ask whatever is on my heart and he flat out says he's going to give it to us. Verse 8, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. God is glorified through fruit. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. You know, I just think about all the things that we seek for comfort, you know, and pleasure, uh, feelings of significance, um, to be encouraged, all these things other than the love of God that's right there ready for us. Abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And, and I hope that we really see from this passage that I think we got it wrong if our eyes are on fruit. Our eyes need to be on the abiding side of that branch, right? That, our eyes need to be on, okay, I'm abiding in Jesus. The connection to the, to the vine is what matters. That's the point of this verse. And the natural result of that is going to be fruit. That's the natural result of abiding in the vine. And again, I think I've just found myself way too many times focused on the work or focused on the fruit or focused on the results or focused on the success, you know, whatever that might be, and, and overlooking just the simple idea of abiding in Christ. All those things are good things, and we want to see those things. Um, the, the pastor, uh, one of the pastors of the Great Commission Collective who was down there, and he, he, he gave his testimony about, about 
he ran out of gas. And he, he told the story of all the success that he had in his church, yet he was wore himself out and, and, and went to a really bad place. And God was gracious and, and rescued him, but through it all showed him this, this idea. And he, he had this one statement that really struck me. He said, an overactive sense of responsibility leads to an overactive sense of self. God is responsible for the fruit. He's going to produce that. Let's leave that to him. Let's focus on the abiding side of that relationship. Number two, healthy is grace-paced, not work-paced. Healthy is grace-paced, not work-paced. In other words, health comes from God as a gift of his grace. It does not come from what we do. Matthew 11, turn over to Matthew 11, uh, 28 and 29. Brian quoted it in his prayer. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. You know, if, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling run out, I mean, it's just overwhelmed. I mean, this, just let this verse bathe you. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God gives rest. You don't give yourself rest. God gives you rest. What an encouraging idea, too, that we don't serve a God who's a taskmaster. We don't serve a God who's going to run us out and string us out and you know, run us to the end of our abilities. We serve a God who gives rest. What do we do? We, we come to him. That's what we do. We come to him. And then go on, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, and that's the, 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 the device that the whatever the big oxen would use to tow a heavy load and it's a big heavy thing for, for pulling. You know, so you get this image of hard work. Take my yoke upon you, which also gives the impression of take off another yoke. Maybe there's a yoke you need to take off. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the God that we, I mean, we've got to come to him. And he delivers that. He's the one that brings that. It is not based on our work or what we do or we have to earn some type of rest. He gives it. He gives that rest. Health comes from God as a gift of his grace. It does not come from what we do. I mean, just think about the to-do list. Think about the goals that you want to get accomplished. What is Jesus saying you need to do in this verse? It's pretty simple. Come to Jesus. So every single day, at the top of the to-do list, at the top, it needs to say, come to Jesus. First thing, first thing I do, first thing I get accomplished. If I don't accomplish that, then how can I expect rest? How can I expect any of the fruit that I want to see in my life? It's, it's that simple. And, and 
and I don't think this is a, I mean, it's not a, really a matter of busyness or not busyness or, or how long your work day is. I don't think those are factors, you know. I think, I think each person can be different. Each person's in a different kind of place. God's got you in different kinds of situations. Some people can handle more than other people. I mean, it's like, let's not do that game. The point is, I've got to abide in him. I've got to come to him, spend time with him. And I think one of the best pictures of this uh, is Mary and Martha. Jump over to Luke 11. This is the uh, story that I think illustrates this perfectly for us. And in this room, we are either acting like Martha or we are acting like Mary. Those are the two possibilities. (laughs) It is one or the other, and, and God's word is so good at helping us to see these kind of truths. Uh, Luke 11, uh, verses 38 through, wait, that is the wrong. Somebody help me out. 10, thank you. One chapter off. All right, uh, Luke 11, 11, uh, 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Just sat at his feet, absorbing what he has to say. That takes time, takes you know, i got to set aside some stuff and just sit at his feet. I mean, he, he's given us his truth. He, he teaches us through his scripture. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, you do not care about my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. If you want a list, just one simple list of what unhealthy looks at like, we've got it right here, and I've got it on the screen. Not healthy is distracted with much serving, demanding of God, you know, Martha's like, God, you got to fix this Mary problem. What's, your, what's going on? Anxious, troubled about many things. Those are all some key indicators that I'm not in the right relationship with him. And, and, and I hope that if you're in that place right now, in some regard, that you hear the tenderness of Jesus. Martha, Martha. It's like, okay, settle down, settle down. Just come to me. Just come to me. Just sit at my feet. You know, so so how is your relationship? Time out. How is the relationship? How is your quality, quantity, time with Jesus? And, And I think we need rhythms. We need normalcy in those kinds of things. You know, it doesn't have to be legalistic, but find a daily time that you can feed on God's truth, that you can pray and that you can just listen and, and be still with him. I think it's good to have weekly rhythms of that. God gave us a Sabbath for a reason because we need rest. He gave the, the Jewish nation multiple forms of Sabbath to help prove to them that you need to depend on me. It's, it's, it's questions of trust a lot of times. 
Because my, uh, God's saying, do you trust me to handle the long to-do list, everything that you've got to get accomplished by giving me some time? That's a Sabbath question that the Jewish people wrestled with. So I think, think, think in terms of a daily time, think in terms of a little bit more time, maybe once a week. Think about maybe a monthly, uh, longer intentional time, maybe quarterly, longer intentional times. Just you and God, with God, just alone. And, I, and again, I think we've got to be intentional with this. We've got to schedule it. We've got to carve out, we've got to say, boop, block it out, make it happen. You know, work together with your spouse. Like, okay, here's this time I'm going to do, I want to take. I, I just want to, like, go up the Appalachian Trail and spend just three hours just, just walking alone and praying. It's like, honey, help that, make that happen. Or, and, or honey, I'm going to help make that happen for you. Or, or, or hey, you know, hey, friend, I'll, I'll watch your kids so that you can get that, that time, you know. Or make it a part of the rhythm to spend that time, to just recheck. I've got to rest, sit at his feet, and just, just absorb him. And let him talk to me and let him, you know, just going to, what do you got, Jesus? I'm yours. <clears throat> I think there is nothing wrong with quick hits, you know. Like what I mean by that is just like a, like, here's a prayer, God. Prayer, you know, I, help me with this, Lord. You know, it's like they call them fl- flare prayers. You guys ever heard that? Shooting up a, fl- a flare. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with just, okay, I got ten minutes. I want to just read a couple chapters. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great. You're absorbing God's truth. What I'm talking about is just some still time, some still time. You know, maybe it's, it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes every single day, just still with him, letting it sink in, and then less frequently taking longer times, you know. So maybe once a week, it's go an hour. Uh, once a month, half a day. Once a quarter, it's a full day. Something like that where it's just still with him. Big, big deal. When we abide in him, he is going to bear the fruit. I'm so confident of that. Um, and I think that we should be asking ourselves, are we choosing the good portion? You know, think about that too. There is so much to do. I mean, it, it, Martha is so relatable. We look up to Martha. These are, these, that's a woman that's like getting it done. That is a woman that is accomplishing stuff. <laughs> right? But Jesus said, your sister chose the good portion. And that's not going to get taken away from her. Wow. <clears throat> I want to read Isaiah 55 to you all, at least just the first part. And as we're going to go to, if, if you guys actually would turn there, let's, let's turn to Isaiah 55. <clears throat> the worship team would like to come on up on the stage and, and I'm going to pray and then we'll transition to the Lord's Supper. And, and I'd like for you all to just take Isaiah 55 and I'm going to read the first part of it, but uh, let these words sink into you. And, 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 and as you're, and let God talk to you about, okay, there, are there some things, I, are there some yokes I need to un, you know, unhitch from? Do I need to put the Jesus yoke on that's easy and light? Um, are there things that I know he wants me to change? You know, commit to those things right now and let him start working on you and then, and then come on up and receive, receive communion. But let me, let me read it. He says, uh, verse 1, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he, and he who has no money. 
Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I just love the imagery of that. It's like we got nothing. We are broke. You know, we're like the cartoon. You pull the pockets out and, the, and just see, see flies. You know, there is nothing in our pockets to come and buy. But he's saying, come buy and eat. Because we're talking about God's marketplace. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting love, my steadfast, sure love for David. And he just goes on to just riff on that idea. This is the God that we serve. It's just like, why are you on those other things? I love you. Come and have life. Come and really live. Bear fruit for my glory. That's what I want. And I hope that you want that too. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness and your love. And Lord, I pray that our church would be a church that abides in you, Lord, that walks with you in every way, that depends on you in every way, Lord, that rests in you. Lord, oh, how we need your rest, and we do want the good food. We don't want to spend our time and our money just working on things that ultimately are not going to matter next to just knowing and being with you. So, Father, give us wisdom, give us insight, and help us to follow you in this regard. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.